Hey everybody, how's it going? This is Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Tighten Up the Defense, a podcast that would likely benefit from a tagline. As I believe I just mentioned, my name is Hub, and I said another episode, but in a couple of ways at least, this episode is a bit of a milestone. First of all, we have reached issue 59 of Tales of the Teen Titans, to which I just started to say nice in my head, but no, 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 59 is not a nice number. It's a 69 if one of the people has restless leg syndrome and is missing the back of their head, and that's some weird Clive Barker shit, which I personally don't find nice, but, you know, you do you. But what is important about issue 59, not nice, unless you're into psychosexual body horror, is that it is the last issue of Tales of the Teen Titans that is not just reprinted material from New Teen Titans Volume 2. So after this issue, we're going to go back and start covering New Teen Titans Volume 2. So while the New Teen Titans story is continuing, and we're going to continue our coverage of it, in a lot of ways this feels like the end of a chapter, and uh, I think that's worth noting. Now, this issue is also reprinted material. It features a reprint of the first New Teen Titans story from DC Comics Presents number 26, which we did cover already back in the very first episode of Tighten Up the Defense. But it also features a reprint of a story from Best of DC Volume 18 that we have not covered before. So me and Corey are going to go over that story, and then we'll uh, take some time to reflect on the... New Teen Titans as a whole, as we've covered it so far, and maybe hand out some Golden Jupiter Awards. Now, as I said, this episode represents a milestone in a couple of ways. The other way that it's a milestone is that my computer reminded me today that it was exactly four years ago that I posted the first episode of Teen Titan Wasteland. We've been doing this show for four years. We've taken a couple of weeks off here and there. I know we took a few weeks off when we transitioned from being Teen Titan Wasteland to tighten up the defense, but in those four years, we've posted 207 episodes. That's a lot. Now, some of those have been bonus episodes where we talk about Skate Man and Something called Loosen Up the Offense somehow slipped into the feed one week. I don't really know how that happened, but... In general, over the last four years, we've spent about an hour a week hanging out with each other. And I just wanted to say thank you. Thanks for tuning in every week. Thanks for telling people about the show. Thanks for writing in and letting me know that you find what I do worthwhile. Putting out a weekly show and more or less maintaining that schedule for four years has been an awful lot of work, but... You guys have always made me feel like it was something that was worth doing, and I want to thank you guys for that. So, thank you. Well, sincerity makes me uncomfortable. So, let's talk about a comic book, shall we? Without any further ado, let's, uh, do this. Today's synopsis rhyme is submitted by Joseph Garvin. Deathstroke uses all the eyeballs he has. Using all the notes is called jazz. Robin's family swung on high wires. This comic is so weird that it requires a summary, also known as synopsis. That was me snapping because the end of that poem gave me a kind of a weird beatnik feel. 
Thanks, Joseph. Tales of the Teen Titans, number 59, November 1985. The Nightmare Begins. Originally published in DC Presents, number 26, October 1980. Written by Marv Wolfman, drawn by George Perez, inked by Dick Giordano, lettered by Ben Oda, colored by Adrienne Roy, and edited by Len Wein. Teen Titan lineup. Robin. Kid Flash, Wonder Girl, Beast Boy, Raven, Cyborg, Starfire. Okay, so this is a reprint of the first new Teen Titans story. We already did the synopsis in Titan of the Defense number one, and then again in that special clip show episode. So I'm not going to do a full rundown of the story again, but the Cliff Notes version of the Cliff Notes version is... The original Teen Titans have broken up and Robin is out crime fighting and thinking about what a jerkhole Batman is. Boy Wonder's just about to start mixing up with some terrorists who've broken into Star Labs when he suddenly pulls a Billy Pilgrim and becomes unstuck in time. Dick travels a few months into the future and finds that he's on a team with his pals Wonder Girl, Kid Flash, and Beast Boy, and some strange new heroes named Cyborg, Starfire, and Raven, who he's never seen before. The displaced do-gooder has little time to adjust to his new temporal environs as the group is called in to tackle an extra-dimensional fart monster that has invaded Star Labs. The battle goes poorly at first, but then they weaken the creature by cutting off its supply of oxygen so that it can't make any more farts. Hooray. Starfire punches the fart monster back to his home dimension. Cyborg celebrates the victory by yelling at his dad who works at Star Labs. Suddenly, Robin finds himself back in his own time. A cop tells him that he defeated the terrorists by treating them like fart monsters and cutting off their oxygen. The confused crime fighter is all like, What happened? I guess it must have been all a dream. But then Raven pops out of nowhere and explains that, Nope, it wasn't a dream. It was the future. Or, at least it was then. Now it's the past. I think... Becoming unstuck in time is confusing. So it goes. Poe to wheat. Then we get a backup story that's a reprint from The Best of DC number 18, November 1981. Reunion. Written by Marv Wolfman, drawn by Carmen Infantino, inked by Romeo Tangal, lettered by Ben Oda, colored by Adrian Roy, and edited by Len Wein. Teen Titan lineup. Robin, Kid Flash, Wonder Girl, Beast Boy, Cyborg, Starfire, Speedy, and Aqualad! Hooray! Some criminals in the Dominican Republic toss an unconscious body off the docks. Jeez, what is it with criminals and docks? Are unsavory elements of society just naturally drawn towards liminal spaces where they hope to exploit the natural tensions that may form fissures in the transitional area that is neither one world nor the other? Or do crooks maybe just like to have splash fights? It's probably one of those two. The unconscious body in question begins to sink to the ocean floor. Oh no! Also, it's speedy. Hooray? No, not quite hooray. More like, yeah, that sounds about right. Fortunately for the not-so-buoyant bowman, a pair of sea-strengthened limbs snatches the worst of the original Teen Titans from the Caribbean waters. Could it be? Yup. The greatest of all teenage aquatic heroes is on the scene. It's Neptune Perkins. Just kidding. It's Aqualad. Hooray! Although, real talk, 
Neptune Perkins is pretty rad. He's part dolphin and his grandpa was a pirate who sank the Titanic. If you'd like to learn more about Neptune Perkins, why not visit your local library? Aqualad swims all the way to the Titan's Tower in New York City, cradling Speedy in his sea-strengthened arms like he was a shitty misogynist baby. Aww. When the damp duo of do-gooders arrive at the T-shaped skyscraper, they set off an alarm, and Starfire goes to attack them. She's restrained by the rest of the team. Robin, Wonder Girl, and Kid Flash are delighted to see their former teammate. They also say hello to Speedy. As the aching archer recovers from his ailments, he informs his allies how he attained his injuries. A few years ago, Speedy had a pretty serious heroin problem. Since he overcame his addiction, he's been working with the DEA to stop drug shipments from entering the country. A recent mission had brought the belligerent bow-bearer to the Dominican Republic to spy on a cartel that was processing drugs that had been smuggled out of Turkey before they were shipped to a buyer in Miami. Speedy had been sitting in a tree watching the drug smugglers unload boxes when somehow one of the criminals managed to spot the colorfully clad crime fighter. It's almost as though bright primary colors aren't the ideal choice of clothing for espionage. Huh. Once discovered, the alarmed archer launched a volley of novelty arrows at his attackers, knocking many of them out with boxing glove arrows. Hooray! Then one of the drug smugglers threw a machete at him. The handle bonked Speedy's noggin, and he fell out of his tree. Hooray! The crooks decided that the best way to kill the unconscious interloper was to toss him in the ocean and hope that he drowned. Yeah. Good thinking, guys. Fortunately, one of Aqualad's finny friends informed the marine teen that one of his pals had fallen in the water, so the undisputed greatest teen titan of all time was able to rescue his incompetent counterpart. Which pretty much brings us back to the beginning of the story. When Speedy finishes his exposition, Starfire is like, Speedy, what is drugs? Speedy helpfully explains, Drugs are bad. Good to know. But the alien space princess has more questions. If drugs are bad, then why do people do them? Speedy is like, well, sometimes your mentor goes on an extended road trip with a hero who has a similar color scheme, and you get really bored, and movies and TV shows in the 70s were really slow-paced, so sometimes you needed a little something extra to maintain your interest. I mean, have you ever tried to watch Kojak sober? I mean, I love Telly Savalas, but oof. Satisfied with this explanation, the Titans head to the Dominican Republic and beat up all the drug runners there. Speedy tackles the guy who threw a machete at his head, which must have been pretty satisfying for him. Then they go to Miami and capture the rest of the cartel, blowing up their helicopter in the process. Hooray! The next day at the Titan Tower, Speedy says he'd love to rejoin the team, but he's too busy getting beat up by drug cartels. Aqualad says he's too busy doing underwater shit and rescuing his clumsy friends from drowning but he wishes the rest of the gang good luck. Cyborg and Starfire say that it was an honor to finally fight alongside a legend like Aqualad, and that, also, Speedy was certainly there as well. And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Corey, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you? I am doing pretty good. Pretty good indeed. We got a, uh, a special episode today. Mm, that we do. Yes, uh, so this is the end of the Tales of the Teen Titans issues that we're going to cover, but it's special for another reason. Yeah? 
It is four years ago to the day that we posted the first episode of Teen Titan Wasteland. What? I know. Wow. So, yeah. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Wow, man. Time flies. Yeah, man. Fucking time. It's like some stupid bird. <laughs> exactly. Four years. Yeah. Wow. I think the appropriate party to thank here are those of you who have been along for the ride. Oh, yeah. Thank it's, you for your patience. I like to think we've gotten better at it. Do you think we have? I sure hope so. Me too. <laughs> There's really no way of knowing without going back and listening to ourselves. Oh, and, that's impossible. Yeah, can't be done. Nope. We don't have the technology. If you meet yourself in the past, you cease to exist or something. It's a paradox. Oh, right. Time cop rules. You yeah, know that's that. time cop. Time cop. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. Ron Silver will kill us both. That would be the worst. Yeah. That's not how you want to go. Nobody wants to go that way. No. So, we've already covered the first story that is in this issue a couple of times now. Once in regular time and once with a flashback episode. Mm -hmm. So, you want to move on and talk about the backup story? Reunion? Sure. All right. So... We'll cover that story, and then we'll uh, hand out some uh, Golden Jupiter Awards. That is exciting. These things have been burning a hole in my house. Yes, they are very flammable. Mm -hmm. Very flammable. What'd you think of Reunion? Let's see. I thought it was fun to take a stroll down memory lane, as it were. Yeah. In terms of the story, it's kind of... I think it was just that PSA that we reviewed that said drugs are bad. <laughs> Pretty much. There was a disconnect because I kept looking up and expecting to find myself in my elementary school nurse's office. Exactly. You know, like mm -hmm. it read very much like a PSA story in terms of the quality of writing, but there wasn't actually enough anti-drug messaging specifically in it for it to qualify as that. That was just the general background of it. The other impression I kept getting from it was I kept picking up the comic and looking under it to see if I could find the personal pan pizza that it no doubt came for free with. <laughs> because it was that quality of a comic book. Yeah. Yeah. Which was initially confusing for me because it's written by Marv Wolfman and it's drawn by Carmen Infantino, who definitely, I think, was at this point in his career starting to have a decline in the sharpness and, to an extent, the quality of his artwork. But this came out in 81, and it was a reprint from then. And Carmen Infantino was still a very competent artist who did some cool stuff. And that is really not on display in this. I think the reasoning behind it was the way that it was originally published. It was part of a Digest magazine. Hmm. One of those short little ones that, like, Archie used to come in, the double digest you'd get at the grocery store. So oh. the pages used to be smaller. So I think if you scrunched down that artwork, it would look more detailed. Mm -hmm. And when you blow it up like that, it just kind of is like, oh, that's, uh, that's not great. Mm -hmm. This looks like coloring book level art. That's interesting. I was wondering about that. So for those digests, do they like draw them larger and photocopy them down? I don't know. Most of the ones for the Teen Titan issue were reprints. It was reprints of older Teen Titans stories uh, that would then be reduced in size and put out that way. I think for this one, it was probably just 
you would draw it the same size you would draw a comic, but there would be fewer panels per page, and you would just draw it with the knowledge that it would get shrunk down. So if you put too much detail in it, it's just kind of going to be lost, so why bother? Mm -hmm. I would guess that they were probably not thrilled about the idea of, oh, wait, you're going to make this bigger and people will actually read it? Because mm -hmm. the other thing is it was, you know, kind of nested within, like, six other stories that you would get. Right. That being said... I still found it pretty fun, even though I don't think it was necessarily very high quality. It reminded me very much of the action media that was popular in the 80s, which was drug dealers bad. Right. They need a beating. Sure. Ideally sent to jail at the end. Yeah. Or just shot, depending on... Either way, job yeah. done. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Do you have a favorite anti-drug PSA? The only ones that I can think of are the ones that have been altered since they were PSAs, and oh. it's the one where it's the medic from the G.I. Joe singing the Do the Reggae song in the, in the, oh, to yeah. keep the kid out of the medicine cabinet. I didn't, I didn't even remember what those were originally for. I remember that they were there. I remember the ones from He-Man too. I also remember there was this super trippy one that was a team up between all of the Saturday morning cartoon characters that you could rent for free from Blockbuster because mm -hmm. it was an anti-drug message. And so I did on occasion. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, the irony of that is that it is the kind of video that is really only watchable if you are pretty high. Because mm -hmm. it's fucking ALF and the Tiny Toons oh, and no. the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like... All helping a little girl whose older brother is doing drugs. And it gets, like, kind of psychedelic. Plus, it's cartoon ALF. The fact that there was an ALF cartoon is still really weird for me. The, the fact that there were several ALF cartoons is even weirder for me. Because yeah. there was ALF Tales, and then there was, like, Tales from Melmac, which was just ALF on his home planet. Mm -hmm. If nothing else, as a preteen even... I don't necessarily want to take the advice of an alien in a Hawaiian shirt who eats cats. Why not? <laughs> Too stringy. Oh. Predators in general, very gamey. Mm. Not tasty. This well, guy's an idiot. He doesn't know bones. what he's talking about. Too many bones. Yeah, you gotta eat birds. They got it coming. And they're delicious. Yeah? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, sorry, Alf. Yeah, that's true. I'm gonna I'm gonna side with you on that one. Mm -hmm. So we did read this comic book. Yes, yes. Um, it was short. It was very short. It was ten pages long. One of the things that struck me almost immediately about it was the number of times they used the phrase Miami Connection. This reminded me in many ways of the Miami Connection. It made me wonder if it was perhaps an inspiration for the Miami Connection. Oh. Because I have never heard the phrase the Miami Connection outside of this comic book or that movie. Mm -hmm. For those of you not familiar, you should go see the Miami Connection. It is amazingly terrible. 80s action movie made with no budget by a Taekwondo studio. Mm -hmm. Is that about right? Well, the guy that ran the studio and his, his like four of his black belt students mm -hmm. made the movie. They all play orphans. Is I don't know if we have show notes or something, but if we do, we should put a link to that in there. Yeah, it's... What was the name of their band? Dragon Sound. 
Oh, Dragon Sound is so good! Dragon Sound is pretty great. <laughs> so yeah, that was one thing I was thinking of when I was reading this. Other than that, nice to see Aqualad and Speedy back. Yeah, nice to see Aqualad. It was nice to see Speedy get hit in the head with the ass end of a machete. And fall out of a tree. What a moron. I loved how he described the guy as a machete expert. I think a machete expert would have thrown the pointy end at him. Yeah, I. there is no reason why they would have taken him alive and then thrown his presumably dead, but maybe just sleeping body into the ocean. I think they knew he was alive, they just figured he would drown because he was very unconscious. That plan makes no sense at all. I think the machete guy totally meant to stab him. And, and just, just didn't realize he hadn't? Well, no, I mean, I think he threw the machete hoping the pointy end would make contact. And right, and then was just good enough? Yeah. I mean, also, if you're going to be hiding in a tree in the Dominican Republic, bright red and yellow is maybe not the outfit you want to wear. Yeah, he's trying to be like some kind of giant bird. Maybe. Maybe he was trying to disguise himself as a tropical bird. Idiot. Yeah, well, he did a pretty good job. <laughs> he's a method actor. Aqualad was great. Aqualad was great. He was great in a way that didn't make a ton of sense, but I still loved it. Mm. Do you think that Aqualad just has a network of fish that keep an eye on all of his former teammates and just let him know if they fall in the water so that he can get on it right away? Or do you think it's just the ones that are most likely to fall in the water and drown? Gosh. Like, does he just have a, like, speedy alert for his fishes? Because a fish told him that Speedy fell in the water quickly enough that he was able to hightail it there from, I don't know, Atlantis? Was he just in the Caribbean already? Yeah, I don't know. It, he is a pretty fast swimmer, but... He's a very fast swimmer, and he also swam all the way from the Dominican Republic to New York while cradling Speedy in his arms like an idiot baby. What a champion. What a great guy. Yeah, I actually was thinking about this a little bit, and I, I had the same thought. I was like, okay, so he's got basically like... Uh, internet and 911 call center all rolled into one mm -hmm. that covers all of the world's oceans. Right. Presumably people are falling in and bad things are happening all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, what's his process I mean, of he elimination? can't just get all of them. So just constantly be swimming around. Yeah. So I think it must just be that he's like, okay. He's just, it's just got to be speedy. He's yeah, not worried about it. it's probably else. just speedy. I think he's like, you know what, everybody else, which of my close friends who I have known for a long time is the most likely to fall in the water and drown? Speedy. Okay, speedy. Yeah. And yeah, there, there's not a rest of the list. Yep. He's like, all right, fish. <laughs> speedy alert. <laughs> Do you see an idiot in a red costume? Or you got a code red and yellow. <laughs> there were a few fun little moments in this issue too one of them was just the very stereotypical line of coriander saying speedy what is drugs mm. and he's basically just like oh drugs are bad mm -hmm. and she's like well why would anyone take them and i don't know man i feel like i've seen that snippet of dialogue a bunch of times the only other time i can remember hearing it almost verbatim was from a Star Trek The Next Generation episode where Wesley Crusher asks that of Tasha Yar. Mm. Um, but it's almost the exact same dialogue. The weird thing about this is 
the fact that she would be completely unfamiliar with the concept of drugs. Like, anytime you see an alien culture, there is some kind of Tamaranian wine or something like that. She's also been to the Grand Canyon with the rest of the gang for like a team building exercise, and they all had a bunch of beers. And we've seen her drinking champagne before. So you could just say like, oh, uh, alcohol is one of the drugs. It's a thing that makes you feel funny, but if you do too much of it, then it's bad. Mm -hmm. There is a, like a simple explanation that could get the point across mm -hmm. without the level of proselytizing that Speedy does. Also, I mean, in any of this stuff, especially in the 80s, any discussion of drug use or illegal drug use, alcohol excluded, has to be absolutist. Yes. Right. It's bad. Right. All of them are bad. No matter what. You can't say, yeah. oh, she's like, why do people do it then? It's like, because it's fucking fun. Yeah. Until you, it, unless you screw up and you take too much or right. you get hooked or whatever, right. then, then it's bad. But you can't yeah. say that, right? So yeah. you're just going to be like, yeah, drugs are bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Because in moderation, it can make television much more enjoyable. Speaking, Speaking of, of moderation. <laughs> so the way that Speedy follows up his explanation of what drugs are is by saying that, oh, eventually it hurts so bad when you stop doing them that you have to do more, mm -hmm. and it's a real catch-22. Mm -hmm. So the audience he is talking to is unfamiliar with the very concept of what drugs are, but he assumes that they are familiar with Joseph Heller's World War II novel. He's just assuming they all went to, that was like a high school required reading book? Or Not for me. College? I don't, I don't think it generally I is. It's, I read it, but I guess I read it in my own accord. It's a good book. Yeah. I really like that one. But yeah, bad bad set of assumptions there. It really, it, it's a know your audience. And she just plays it off because, I mean, otherwise he'd keep talking. Mm -hmm. But just seemed like an odd choice on his part. Yeah, there's probably a better way to mm -hmm. say that. Like, it's a real conundrum. Yes. She knows what a conundrum is. Mm -hmm. Like... Do I explain to Speedy that I don't know what he's talking about? If I did, he might know that he needs to explain more, but he also might keep talking. Mm-hmm. Real conundrum. That's a sticky wicket. Mm-hmm. The other odd part about the drug talk that happens in this is that Cyborg says that he's definitely in because when he was in college, he saw some people fry their brains on drugs. Mm-hmm. What's interesting about that to me is that this must have been before they retconned it, that before he went to college, Cyborg was in a street gang. Because it seems more likely that probably he would have known people in the street gang that would have had their lives ruined by drugs. Or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe that should come up in the timestamp section. Like, maybe it just puts this as before they had retconned it that he grew up on the streets as a runaway, despite the fact that he was the son of wealthy scientists and also was a college athlete. Yeah, that's a pretty complicated timestamp. I just had the whole issue as a timestamp because... I was very tempted by that. I did yeah. find a different one, but we're not into the minutiae yet. We still have a lot of this terrible, tiny comic <laughs> do, book to cover. <laughs> kind of. Oh, man. I do anyway. Oh yeah, there was boxing glove arrows. That was pretty sweet. Love the boxing glove arrows. I wish he could have busted out maybe a uh, little tiny parachute arrow, shoot onto a monkey. That is by far the best thing Speedy has ever done. Shoot a tiny parachute to... onto a monkey, save it from falling out of a tree. It's going to be really hard to top. <sighs> you know what? 
Fuck it. He's never going to top He's that. never going to top We've that. We've already He's achieved peaked. peak yeah. Speedy. Yep. It's all downhill from there. It really was kind of all downhill from there for Speedy. Mm-hmm. We also have the way that the Teen Titans reacted to Speedy and Aqualad showing up did really crack me up. Because Starfire was basically like, Aqualad? I've heard that name. And about how great you are. Who's this asshole? No, she does tack on a, some little nice bit for Speedy she at the doesn't. end, but it's but it's very uh, I don't know. You could read it as disingenuous. I didn't even catch that. Wally says Aqualad when he shows up carrying Speedy. Mm-hmm. Starfire says, "So that's him. I've heard you speak his name, but who's he carrying?" Oh yeah, no. There's the later on part where where they say they can't join the team, and she's she's like, "Oh, you're really awesome. You're super cool. I wish you could." Oh, yeah, and Speedy's all right, too, I guess. It cuts in in media res, so we never see either of them being asked to join the team. Do you think they were asked to join join the team? Not at all. I had a note about that. So Speedy, like, he just busts out with, like, hey, you guys, thank you. I know you really want me to join this team, but uh, just, you know, too busy busting drug dealers. He invited himself to that party unwanted. And then sent an RSVP that he would not be attending. Yeah, what? That's typical. I kind of like that as a power move, though. Just RSVPing saying you're not going to be able to attend parties you were never invited to. Mm -hmm. Not bad, Speedy. And then Aqualad chimes in and is just like, yeah, no, this was fun, but I can't join either. And yeah, Starfire ends it with, I'm very sorry to hear that, Aqualad. I had heard so much about you. Oh, and Speedy. You're right, she does say that. Yeah, she just kind of throws it in because she has to, though. And you are as good and valiant as I had been told. And then there's a weird, the panel ends with, this completely static shot that just looks like a freeze frame. And the captions say, like, these are the new Teen Titans, and they're the best there is. That is absolutely how a coloring book would end. It is a weird panel, too, because they are all kind of doing, like, a raised fist, like, yes! Yeah, it looks like a freeze frame. There's no dynamism. It's a very static shot. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. I really like it. I do, too. <laughs> <laughs> if I was coloring that coloring book, I'd be all over that. There was also just one other funny moment where Robin is delegating duties and he says, Starfire, Wonder Girl, you go to Miami and take care of that chopper. Cyborg, Beast Boy, the rest, come with me. (laughs) (laughs) This is very Gilligan's Island. Mm -hmm. It would almost take you less time to say their names. Yeah, well, hey, non-team members. Well, it wasn't just non-team members. Because it was, I think, Wally, too. Oh. Like, you you could just say Aqualad, Speedy, Kid Flash. Or just say everybody. Or just say, the rest of you follow me. Don't start with the two names. Mm -hmm. Seemed like an odd choice. And, frankly, bad leadership. Well, he has ups and downs. Hmm. He had a lot to learn at this point. Mm -hmm. He was still in short pants. Short pants. You Mm -hmm. beat me to it. We had the same... Well, are you ready to get into the minutiae? I think we should. All right. Rick, would you mind singing us into this regular minutia? Mm-hmm. It's hard to say very special. The minutia is just regular. It's normal. Rick, would you mind singing us into the minutia? We got minutia. It's not the biggest part. It's just minutia. Like Cory eating farts, we got minutia. Time to sweat the small stuff. Thanks, Rick. So, Corey, in this 10-page backup story that is a reprint of a Digest comic book, hmm. what was your favorite panel? Um, 
I had three choices, but I do think I have a clear favorite, and that is on page eight, and I called it Aqualad Punches. Oh! And it's uh, Aqualad really just clocking somebody good and looking pretty satisfied about it. That is a nice one. I actually had a different one on page eight. I don't think it was quite my favorite, but it nearly was. And that was the Kid Flash Double Punch. It's just a neat thing where he's just holding his arms both out, like stock still and running and punches two thugs. It's just pretty neat. Wasn't that your uh, your drunken stare descending method? It You don't have to be drunk. It's just for balance. You showed it to me when we had had a few. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that was when I thought of it. Oh, okay. But yeah, it was, it was a fantastic new stair descending method where you just hold your arms out on either side and uh, it does give you extra balance if there's no banister. Are you tired of climbing stairs the messy old-fashioned way? It always results in you falling down and breaking your coccyx. And messy handrails just compound the issues. There's got to be a better way. A better way? A better way. Hold your two fists out on either side of you like an idiot. And you'll have a much easier time descending the stairs. Any idiot? Any idiot can do it, but only a very special idiot who sends away for this one-point method can learn it. Oh, we're so bad at this. You already told them what the method is. Yeah, they get this one for free. But the next time they want a new method to walk down the stairs... They got to pay. It really does increase your balance. It's like the way that, like, uh, tightrope walkers will hold that giant stick out. It's just no stick. Yeah, well, you're not on a tightrope. <laughs> anyway, I think that's a pretty good panel. Pretty good. The other one that I was tempted by but was not my favorite was uh, Speedy getting bonked in the face by the ass end of a machete. <laughs> that's pretty fun. It's satisfying. But I think my favorite one that I think is actually by far the best drawn panel in the issue, is from the very first page, and it is Speedy falling unconscious through the water and Aqualad swimming up to rescue him. And the shading on Aqualad, it's the water itself is creating these shadows on him that looks look like waves. Uh, it's really cool looking. It's, it's a neat image. Uh, you can just see him in silhouette, but he's got these shadows of waves all over him and it's cool looking yeah it's all squiggly it looks very underwatery mm-hmm. yeah any one. other panels you want to talk about uh i also like page nine starfire slapping somebody she is a very good slapper mm-hmm. slapping the guy right off his feet yep he does not care for that i couldn't imagine who would Corey, let's take this party to the bow zone what instance of one character calling another character a bozo, either literally or metaphorically, did you feel was worthy of highlight? So, Speedy doesn't do a lot of things well, but he's got a couple zingers. He really does. I think we have the same ones. Yeah. Probably. He, uh, I believe both are directed at the machete expert, which, uh, I don't know if you could hear the air quotes, but they were there. Mm-hmm. When he is seeking his revenge on him, he first shows up, Calls him Slobo and punches him. <laughs> Which is one of mine. I had Slobo. Uh-huh. And then chases him into the jungle and calls him... A stupid idiot. <laughs> Maybe the king of insults. I think I'm going to go with stupid idiot because Slobo is funny, but I've never used it, but I have used <laughs> stupid idiot. Yeah, stupid idiot's a really good one. 
I think it might be King of the Insults. Mm. Nice work, Speedy. Nice work. Timestamp. What did you have for a timestamp? Well, I mentioned it before, but all ten pages of this were pretty much textbook uh, drugs are bad PSA. Um, drug dealers are bad. Mm-hmm. They should be, you know, executed or jailed. Like, very mm-hmm. 80s. They get their comeuppance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I know it's a cop-out, but I basically had the whole thing. I think I think that's honestly reasonable, and I almost had that. But one thing did strike me as odd early on, and I think I'm going to go with that as my timestamp. Speedy says he's been working alongside the Narcotics Bureau. This is 81. The DEA had only been formed in 72 and got a lot more funding and a lot more publicity as the 80s went on. The fact that this issue came out in 81, I don't think the DEA was as notorious or as well known as it got later on. So I think if this had come out just a few years later, he would have said the DEA. Mm. So that's my timestamp. All right. Early DEA. Mm-hmm. Favorite sound effect. Well, we had two to choose from, and uh, I went with the classic sound of a arrow twanging into a wooden thing, and uh, the noise as the arrow, I think, leaves the bow and arrow, it goes, whip! That's a pretty good one. We did get a scree in there as well. Mm-hmm. Was that the other one you that had? That was the other one I noted. Yeah. There was one other, which was, in fact, my favorite. I like that when the perimeter is breached on their fancy, high-tech skyscraper that is shaped like a T, the alarm goes, clang, clang! (laughs) I forgot about that klaxon. That goofy klaxon. (laughs) It's such a dumb noise for this ultra-high-tech alarm system to make. Just that they wrote it out. Clang, clang. Did they just have some fucking cans set up outside with a tripwire? Or was it a trolley that Ethel Merman was singing about? I'm going to go with the cans. Yeah, probably. Um, Clang, clang, clang with the trolley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no. Okay, I wasn't sure. It took a minute, but thank you. Right. It's an upsetting sound. Uh, Starfire is just ready to throw down as soon as she hears it. She's like, shut that fucking noise off. That is the other thing that could almost be construed as a timestamp. Very early on in the Teen Titans days, she was written as much more bloodthirsty. Yeah, let's just go. And then they they kind of had her mellow throughout age. And then, like every other aspect of everyone's character, it's on a loop and it's coming back now. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, I had Clang Clang. Goes the trolley. <laughs> That's a good one. I, I missed it. Sartorially speaking, what fashion choices in this issue did you feel were worthy of note? Machete! <laughs> he had a very nice buckskin pirate blouse on. Like, he's no Danny Trejo, but he was pretty cool. He was. I mean, there were panels in which he was drawn a little bit like Danny Trejo. There were others in which he looked a lot like Charles Bronson. Mm-hmm. There was one specific one where I'm like, oh, that's Charles Bronson. Yep. He even had the, what are those things called? A cheroot or a cigarillo? Uh-huh. cigarillo? Yeah. The cowboy looking skinny cigar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the pencil thin mustache. But he also had, as I said, a uh, buckskin pirate blouse, which was not a bad look for him. Mm-hmm. In other scenes, he was wearing a, uh, a green plaid shirt with suspenders. Not as Not as becoming on him. It seemed to me, in general, all the hench people were dressed with slacks and long sleeve shirts, and 
I've never been, but the Dominican Republic, as I understand it, it's a pretty temperate, pretty hot climate. Maybe they weren't, maybe it's like a reverse thing where they make them all work naked when they're around the drugs because they just don't want them to get any sweat on the drugs. So they have to wear all the clothes. That way they do it that way? Well, they make them work naked around the drugs so they can tell they're not stealing any of them. That's what I always thought. Yeah. But, I don't know, maybe they hadn't worked that technology out yet. That's probably they had to stop because people were just sweating on all the drugs. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Messing it all up. Yeah, messing it up for everybody. Yeah. Like, oh man, now this cocaine tastes like sweat. (laughs) Cocaine's all sweaty. Gross. No thank you. Maybe that's why they started cutting it with baby powder. It wasn't to make it last longer. (laughs) It was just that it was all sweaty. Uh, Yeah. I think that's probably it. Just restores it back to neutral. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, pH. pH. Yeah. yeah seven. Mm-hmm. This cocaine is pH balanced for a woman, but it's strong enough for a man. Very 80s indeed. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get back to the frosting on this reunion cake. Who was your Aqualad, the greatest of Teen Titans, and who was your Speedy, the worst of Teen Titans? At the risk of being over-literal... I'm going to go with the titular characters themselves for both of these categories. I think Aqualad did a fine job. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as you pointed out, used his speedy alert fish network effectively. Yep. He swam real, real fast. So fast. A long way. Mm-hmm. He saved a life. Uh, he's valiant. Yep. He's diplomatic. He doesn't assume that people from another planet have read a Joseph Heller book. Yeah, just really, hands down, good job. And the flip side of that is this uh, bird costume, tree falling out of, drowning an ocean. Stupid idiot. Stupid idiot. (laughs) Yeah, he really is the goofus to Aqualad's gallant. And uh, he demonstrates that throughout this issue in a number of ways. From falling out of a tree, to assuming that a man who barely knows how to loft a machete is a machete expert. Bad camouflage work. He does get some good insults out. He assumes that the Titans want him to join the team. Yeah. His, I, I know you think it's a good power move. He does his, his uh, preemptive RSVP. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a, kind of a dick move. It is at that. And uh, yeah, so... Nice piece of symmetry. Aqualad is our Aqualad. Speedy is our Speedy. Mm-hmm. And uh, we know what Aqualad is up to in this issue. He's being the Aqualad of this issue. So we don't ask to have to ask what he's probably up to. Well, I guess that leaves us with a little extra time. So, Corey, let's hand out some Golden Jupiter Awards. All right. Should we still call them Golden Jupiter Awards? I was flirting with the idea of Silver Dayton's. Oh, spread it around a little bit. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, he's the fifth richest man in America, so it's not as expensive as the Golden Jupiter. But still, he is the fifth richest man in America. And therefore the fifth trustworthiest. Mm, Fifth most trustworthy man. Okay. Yeah. So you want to hand out some... uh, Do you want to call them Silver Daytons? Golden Jupiters? Depends on the category. Yeah, let's just uh, play it by ear. Okay. The first thing we should probably do is a little bit of housekeeping. Let's call this a Golden Jupiter because it does go back to the origin of the show and one of the very first categories that we established. Should the Worst Titan Award still be called the Speedy Award? Or has a character 
surpassed him in shittiness. Who is the worst new Teen Titan? <sighs> Let's go over some of the options and say why it might be them before we agree that it is Beast Boy. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a way to, to draw it out. Okay. Okay. Wally. As a new Teen Titan, he was a real piece of shit. He was manipulative. He was whiny. He was entitled. He was a real dick to Raven. That's all true. Mm-hmm. Pretty bad. Wishy-washy. Wishy-washy. Flippin' and floppin'. Got a bad case of white picket ass for riding that fence so goddamn long about whether he wanted to be on the team. Wally was not a good Teen Titan. No, he was a bad Teen Titan, objectively. Yeah. Was it Raven? She's always waiting out in the car. She's still in the car. She's still in the goddamn car. I'll help you guys later. Maybe I have to go stand on a stalagmite and yell about my feelings. So it's understandable that she's in the category. I'm going to give her a Trigon break. Okay. She is trying very hard to let Trigons be bygones. Mm -hmm. She gets a Trigon pass. She did also try to kill all of her teammates multiple times. Oh, was it multiple times? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty bad. It's not great. Speaking of trying to kill all her teammates, is it Terra? She was technically a Teen Titan, even though she was a... A double agent. Yeah, duplicitous. They did, after a year-long vetting process, allow her full membership on the team. She was evil. She did try to kill all of the other Titans. Pretty bad. Hmm. But it's Beast Boy. I have to go with Beast Boy. So Terra is that's an interesting one to to bring up. I, sure. I I think too that there was a period where Dick Grayson was neck and neck with with Speedy and with Beast Boy for, he, for he several, was for several a while issues. a very bad leader. In general, I feel like he has come across much better in the new Teen Titans than he did in the original Teen Titans. In fact, you could go so far as to say that he's one of the few characters who hasn't necessarily been in this sort of regressive uh, loop. No, he has actually had at least one very significant change in his wardrobe. He went through all that kerfuffle with uh, World's Worst District Attorney Adrian Chase, turned World's Mediocrest Vigilante Vigilante. Uh, I think you mean Vigilante. (laughs) You're right, I'm sorry, Vigilante. And so, yeah, for a while he wasn't doing great, but I think he's really actually grown up pretty well got himself out of those short pants yep got himself a nice high college shirt mm-hmm. sign of maturity yeah beast boy on the other hand has displayed no maturity has been in a constant regressive loop is continually sexually harassing his teammates and is just a real piece of shit i think that we need to rename the category the beast boy i agree i also am sick of Maybe we need to set our criteria in the future to be more specific for what sort of things characters do to get that award. So it can't just be... No, I mean, it it has to go to the worst. And if if it ends up being him every time, it's him every time. I actually feel pretty strongly about this. We can't give him a pass for being continually terrible. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Yeah, no, okay, that... Um, so I, I think it is now the Aqualad Award and the Beast Boy Award for the worst Teen Titan. Congratulations, Gar. You've yep. earned it.
this golden Jupiter is for you. And so is this fart noise. Oh, he pooped himself a little at the end. It was bad. Typical beast boy. <laughs> Conversely, who is the best new Teen Titan? We've got 58, 59 if we count this one issues to choose from. Who has really distinguished themselves? Who is the best of the bunch? Let's go through some of the possibilities on this one. Cyborg. Pretty effective. Has had some character development, some arcs. Generally has regressed to his original state, but his original state was also pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. He's a computer genius. He is volunteering his time with children with disabilities. Pretty solid guy for the most part. Yeah, Cyborg is great. We talked about Nightwing slash Robin. He's made some definite character advancements. I think he has to be on the list. Definitely, uh, at least for the most improved. Sure. Which is a category we don't have. That's true. Wonder Girl. Solid showing. Pretty good for the most part. Unless you're a cat. Yeah. Oof. Still, still got that little Achilles heel. Still, I mean, out yeah. of all these issues, how many times has she been hypnotized? Three? Four? Yeah, she's definitely getting better about that than she was in the original run. Mm -hmm. Jericho. Newcomer. Mm -hmm. But pretty solid so far. Nice guy. Makes an effort to reach out to Raven when she's having a rough time. Mm -hmm. Good at uh, Kung Fu. And uh, very useful in terms of taking over other people's bodies. Saved the day a few times. Mm -hmm. um, he does have those really creepy lemur eyes. Lemur eyes? But he uh, loves art. He loves art a little too much. Could be. Could be. And the other option I would have here is Starfire. And Starfire is, in fact, my choice. Who's yours? That's funny, because I had Starfire as well. I feel like she is the character that most consistently kicks bad guys' butts, most consistently does not get worst. I think you gave her worst once, because she uh, put Dick on that roof, which I gave her best for, so that kind of yeah. cancels out. She has shown growth. She has shown growth. She also has stuck up for herself in ways that have uh, shown a lot of confidence. She is pretty consistently a strong but sensitive character. And uh, yeah, I think she's the best. Yeah, she deserves it. She shut down uh, Gar's garbage with her uh, calling his uh, booby bluff that she one did. time. Yeah. Zaps all the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Kills her evil sister. Mm-hmm. Probably. Well, never know. No, nope. haven't found a body, so uh, we'll see. Nice work, Starfire. Nice work. This uh, Silver Dayton's for you. Congratulations. Best non-costumed character. Yeah, so I have a technical question here. Okay. My first thing I wanted to go with was uh, John Gnark, but then I realized he's technically at least an honorary titan. And he also has not appeared at all in this new Teen Titans. But he's still wandering around Jupiter Tower <laughs> somewhere. It feels so I, bad for I him. applaud your flexible thinking. I don't think we can really count John Gnark. If for no other reason, he is a Teen Titan. I thought you were going to say that, so I am going to go with, uh, with Gert from issue 51. Thank you for helping me remember where where we encountered her, but she was one of my favorite characters, nicknamed Icy. Uh-huh. Former super spy. Mm-hmm. Current super spy, just a much older super spy, unfortunately murdered by Cheshire. Yep. But no, nah, Gert was pretty fun. I actually went with Phil, who was Wonder Girl's 
kind of stepdad from her origin story yeah from her it's her adopted mom who gave her back up for adoptions new father who was like yeah you're my daughter now that's how this formerly adopted stepfather business works and here's some dad jokes to prove it yeah before dad jokes was a thing he was he was cool solid guy looked kind of like john waters Mm -hmm. it's a lot to like about this filth character the other choice I had that, that was in the running was uh, Captain Hall, I think, is a pretty competent chief of police or captain of police. He always seems to be in charge whenever we see him. Mm-hmm. But he is uh, oftentimes, I think, the only adult in the room when the Teen Titans are doing shit. And he actually seems to act responsibly. Literally. Yeah. So he, he was in the running, but I, I really like the cut of Phil's jib. All right. Cool. So, we got one Phil, one Gert. Phil and a girl. Oh, they'd make a nice couple. Oh. I mean. Too bad he's taken. Too bad she's dead. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry I laughed at that, Gert. I feel like a jerk. What do you, Wait, what do we do when there's a, a toss-up? Do they both get the award? Do they yep. have to share it? They have to share it. Timeshare. Yep. Okay. I mean, I think Phil's going to have it more of the time, seeing as, you know, he's not dead. Maybe, like, in loving memory of there'll be a little yeah. inscription on it. Yeah, I think he'll leave it at her gravesite a few few days a week. Okay. That's Alter- alternate weekends. Sure. Yeah. I accept that. Yeah. Henchiest hench person. The options are number 32. The uh, hench person that the Titans took captive when they were in the underwater base. Bethany Snow, evil reporter who secretly reports to Brother Blood. Mm-hmm. Mother Mayhem, uh, one of Anthony Scarapelli's goons. Probably. Hey. Why not? And Rudy. 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 Yeah, I I gave this one some serious thought, and I really want to vote for Rudy just because we've gotten the most... You're not voting for Rudy. We've gotten the most laughs out of him, but I'm not voting for Rudy. What? Who are you voting for? In terms of effectiveness, in terms of swaying the public against the Titans, making things bleak for them... You're going with Bethany Snow? I have to go with Bethany Snow. I don't like it. I don't like it either. It's a real snowstorm. Is that what her show is called? Oh, probably. I can't remember what her yeah. show is called. I, I think... hate that Bethany Snow. No, Which she's does awful, mean that she's, she's probably a doing a, a good job, a but person. I can't. I gotta go with my heart. I love Rudy. Rudy. I'm going with Rudy. Hey, it's Rudy all the way. Hey, guys. Hey, you guys. I'm hedge You guys cool. <laughs> I wanna win gold Jupiter. I'm the only one from the uh, the, the poop ranking society that I joined is not dead. He does have a nice mustache. And he's a survivor. He's the only living member of the poop rankers. That's a tough call. Yeah, we got quality hench. One Rudy, one Bethany Snow. All right. Well, split decision. They each get a silver Dayton. All right. Uh, Well, maybe that's what it is. If it's unanimous, then it's a golden Jupiter. Split decision gets a silver Dayton. I like it. Okay. So a silver Dayton for each of them. Got it. Best Perez fill-in artist. I mean, I think we can both agree that the golden Jupiter goes to George Perez. He is an amazing artist and had a huge and wonderful run on this book. Mm -hmm. 
But when he has taken time off at various points, we've had a number of fill-in artists who have been really good. In the very early days, we had Kurt Swan, uh, who is probably best known as a Superman artist, who did one of the early Trigon appearances, and I think did a really nice job. We've got Keith Pollard, who handled a few issues, um, most notably, I think, the issue in which it turned out that Sarah Sims' ex-fiance was a stocky creeper who was taking a sporting goods store hostage. Mm-hmm. We got Chuck Patton, who's been doing the most recent run on this and has been doing a great job of it. And we've got Steve Rude, who did the fill-in issue where the DN agents mm-hmm. knockoffs mm-hmm. were fighting the Titans. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all of them have done a really, really solid job on the book. There have been a few other artists. Carmen Infantino is in this one, and he's he did the Dr. Light story before. I think he may have done one other fill-in. And he's fine, but I don't think he really rises to the level at this point in his career that the other artists did. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was your choice? Yeah, on this one, I, I went with Pollard. I was looking back through issue 36, and that was one where the level of detail and like the machinery and, and other things at Star mm-hmm. Labs and some of the stuff that was going on was so Perez-like mm-hmm. that I am so partial to that. Yeah. I had to give it to Pollard. I think he did a really solid job on that, and that was actually a kind of difficult decision for me. I went with Steve Rude. I just really love Steve Rude's art, and I think he did a really good job on it. And in a weird way, kind of for the opposite reason that you chose Pollard, his was as detailed, but really was in his own style. You didn't really think that it was Perez. It was just really dynamic and really bold, and he put his own stamp on it, but in a way that wasn't detracting or distracting for me. Uh, So... Yeah, I went with Steve Rude, but I do think that that Pollard did an amazing job as well. Really, a lot of solid choices. There really hasn't been, whenever there's been a fill-in artist, a drop-off in art quality. Mm -hmm. And I've really appreciated that. Yeah, I I don't disagree with what you said, and I don't disagree with what I said. So we got a couple of... Para Silver Daytons. Para para Daytons to get in the mail. Mm -hmm. Now, we've talked about the pencilers... Let's talk, uh, let's talk writing awards. Which writer of the new Teen Titans that had a name of a universal monster as their last name was your favorite writer? The choices are, of course, Burt Dracula, Alan Mummy, uh, Marv Wolfman, Jerry Creature from the Black Lagoon, or Steve Swimfan. <laughs> Which of those do you think did the best job writing the new Teen Titans? Uh, Wolfman gets the Newton. He died. I think day. it is. Uh, I think it is. Yeah, it is uh, Marv Wolfman. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> well done, Marv Wolfman. I think he has written every issue of this series, which is a phenomenal feat. And there certainly, I have had quibbles, and I have some pretty serious criticism of some of the things that he has done in the books. But overall. It's a really impressive run that he's put together. Agreed. Well done. Let's hand out an ink pot. Wait, no, that is actually the name of a legitimate award. Let's hand out a uh, an award for best inker. Who was your favorite inker in this? Uh, for options, we've got uh, Dick Giordano, Mike DiCarlo, or Romeo Tangal. I gotta go with my man Romeo. I do too. I love Dick Giordano. He is probably one of my favorite inkers, period. But for this title, 
Romeo Tangal is the one that looks right to me, and he's the one that I think works with Perez the best. Mike DiCarlo also does a good job, but yeah, it's uh, it's Romeo Tangal gets this golden Jupiter. All right. Well done, Romeo. That is going to be expensive to mail. Mm-hmm. Gold is very heavy. So keep those Patreon donations coming so that we can get these creators their imaginary awards. Um, <laughs> so we've had best non-costumed character. Who is the worst non-costumed character? Well, he came up just a few minutes ago talking about uh, Pollard's uh, coverage, and I Ooh. had a creepy ex-boyfriend whose name I just forgot. But Mark, right? Mark. Oh, over... with the fucking basketball jersey over a turtleneck. Over a turtleneck. God, I forgot about that. I feel like that almost counts as a, as a costume. It, no, no, because then I don't have a Okay, choice. fine. God, that is really bad. I forgot what a piece of shit he was. He is the worst. Man, I was going to go with Terry Long's brother, Barry. From the wedding? <laughs> yeah, that guy's yeah. such a prick. He was pretty bad, but he wasn't. And he stocked Terry's wedding party with jerks that Terry doesn't even fucking know. And threw a bad bachelor party. But... Also bad, but not as bad as... Yeah, you're right. It's fucking... Is it Mark Strong, maybe? I, I really can't remember. It's Mark. He doesn't deserve a last name. Fuck you, Mark. Yep. If you're a listener who happened to be named Mark, I'm not talking to you. Unless you were dating Sarah Sims and were very abusive. Yeah. In which case, yeah, I'm sorry, but fuck you, man. Yeah. Yeah, he's the worst. Yeah, he, you're right. He really is. Uh, other... Op- well, oof. Adrian Chase... Oh, even worse yeah. that he became a... Wait, no, because he's costumed. He did put on a costume later. You're right. You're right. During his district attorney days, he was pretty fucking bad. Like, if we had a category for a world's worst district attorney... Just worst at your job. Yeah, oh, world's worst district attorney is definitely Adrian Chase. You know what? I just found this envelope. World's worst district attorney. The golden Jupiter for that goes to Adrian Chase. Golden Jupiter for... Worst non-costumed character, you're right, does go to Mark, last name withheld. Fair enough. Best standalone story. There are some good ones. Yeah, yeah, I had a toss-up between Who is Donna Troy? Who is Donna Troy was a really good story. There was A Day in the Life. Mm-hmm. That was the other one. Which was, I think, issue 8, and that was a really good story. It was issue 38 was Who is Donna Troy. There was also uh, Dear Mom and Dad. The issue where Wally West was writing letters home to his parents, there was a really nice framing device in that that I liked a lot. Yeah, very cool. I wound up going with uh, A Day in the Life specifically because of the cyborg portion. Yeah. When uh, he gets hit in the head with that baseball and he goes, thunk, and he hands it back <laughs> to the kid and he, you know, starts yeah, the whole no, thing that with was... his charity work and that was just pretty heartwarming. Plus, he wears a uh, maybe fuchsia colored, like, matching sweatshirt and hat with a little yeah brim, no it's a nice outfit super um, cool it, it was really for me it i liked dear mom and dad but it did come down to who is donna troy or a day in the life and they're real they're both really really good they're both kind of slice of life mostly take place out of costume stories i think as much as i really did like who is donna troy i felt like it was a really good noir 80s detective story more so than it was necessarily a titan story Hmm. so 
I think it's kind of up to debate which is the better story, but I think for the better Titan story, I'm going to go with the day in the life. So, hmm. yeah, let's make it a golden Jupiter. All right, one golden Jupiter. Best villain. Teen Titans have amassed quite a rogues gallery. We've got Trigon, the world-destroying demon. We have the fart monster that they fought earlier in this issue. We have Brother Blood. We have Deathstroke the Terminator. We have Terra. We have the Fearsome Five and all of their members. Who were you, who were you thinking? Anybody that I missed? I I went, well, I guess technically it's not from this run if you go way back to Mad Mod and Mr. Twister. And oh, sure. Ding yeah. Dong da- Daddy. Yeah, Ding Dong Daddy Dowd. Dowd. But those have a nostalgic goof, sure. goofiness to them right. that I really love. But I, I think I went with one that you didn't mention, which was uh, Cheshire. Oh, Cheshire. Yeah, she was really good. She made me so angry. She killed Gert. She killed Gert. And other than that, was really, really charming and fun and flirty. With everybody. Yeah. Regardless of gender. Mm-hmm. Which was interesting, but also just the fact that, yeah, so she's likable in some ways, but also just like, But she really actually killed a named character. Yeah. like a, Which was something that, I guess Brother Blood had his minions kill Marcy, who did get a name. Mm-hmm. I went with Monsieur Mala. He is a fucking <laughs> oh, yeah. super oh, intelligent Jesus. ape who, who speaks with a French accent and wears a beret. I don't know that he was necessarily the most effective, but he was not ineffective. And... He is a super intelligent, murderous French ape who wears a beret and is in love with a disembodied brain. So uh, I-, I have to go with Monsieur Mala. You make a strong, a strong argument just from the sheer goofiness. I kind of want to go over to that, but I'm going to stick to my guns. So okay. we, we get a couple silver, uh, couple Newtons. silver, silver Daytons, silver Daytons, not Newtons. No, Newtons are fruit and cake. But can you imagine if they were silver? That'd be like a pie made out of steel. I mean, more valuable, but equally untasty. You don't want that. No. That's not what I'm looking for in a confectionery. Couple of Silver Daytons. Going in the mail. Well, you know what? Hmm. One more category. Best podcast audience. I think this one's going to be a golden Jupiter. It is to our listeners. Thank you so much. It's been four goddamn years. Unbelievable. And you've stuck with us. And you've made it feel like it's worth us sticking with it for you. Thank you so much. This this has been great, and I'm just so honored that I've had the opportunity to get to know some of you and to hang out with you pretty much every week for the last four years. So thanks for choosing to spend your time with us. Yeah, absolutely, guys. It's It's been awesome. And um, for those of you that have thought about doing so but haven't, drop us a line either through Facebook or an email or the other ways where Hub tells you how to get into touch with us? Yeah, LinkedIn. Um, Shit, I still haven't made the LinkedIn <laughs> profile. Uh, Friendster, MySpace, uh, Farmers Only. Uh, <laughs> what is Farmers Only? Oh, it's for farmers who want to date other farmers. Um, <laughs> we should totally put one there. You just put an ad? A personal ad for farmers to listen to us? Yeah. I had a friend who uh, went on the dating uh, app uh, Sea Captains Only. Really? Yep. That's a thing. Yeah. Not a big thing, but a thing. 
That's not actually a way you can get in touch with us. You can get into touch with us by writing us at uh, ttwasteland at gmail.com. We are on Instagram. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter at ttwasteland underscore. If you would like to donate to us monetarily, you can do so at patreon.com slash ttwasteland. Uh, if you do, you get access to a bunch of bonus material, including the drug prevention issue that we were referencing earlier that we did. And a monthly podcast that Lisa and I co-host called What the Duck, a podcast most foul but with a W because he's a duck. That's the full name of the show. Should have a new episode of that going up, I think, pretty much concurrently with this episode. And we put a new one out a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and uh, that would really be nice and would be really helpful to us, especially as uh, I'm going to be out of work for a little bit. And during that time, I'm going to be trying to devote as much time as I can to the podcast and seeing to what extent I can maybe turn this into a legit part-time job. So if if you are in a position where you can donate, it would really mean a lot to me, especially right now. If you're not, that's totally fine too. Thanks so much for listening. And maybe you could leave us a review on uh, iTunes or Stitcher or something, or tweet about us, or, you know, post it on whatever social media you're using, or put up a flyer. That'd be fun. Tell a farmer. Tell a sea captain. Yeah, and they'll tell everybody. They're the biggest gossips on the high seas or in a field. Either way. Boy, those guys. Anyway, fuck it. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy. Enjoy. choose Rudy. Dude, it was hard. <laughs> Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. <laughs> that would be what uh, Cary Grant would say if Rudy was around. He wasn't just here, that was me. I thought maybe you got confused. You thought you looked away for a second and Cary Grant came in and was addressing Rudy, who was also here. Neither of those individuals are in the room. Good. Yeah, just calm down. Okay. <sighs> Should we send the poll to... The listeners asking him about what products we should advertise. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing for them to tell us what products we should advertise. It's another thing for anybody to give us money for advertising products. Well, no, it's maybe we go that way where you start, we just like you, collect all the information, you find the demand, ah, and, and then, then create our own products. Oh. We could make a mattress. We could make How underwear. hard can it be? And stationary bikes. <laughs> Go down. I made a pair of jorts one time. Yep. I assume underpants is just the same. You're, right? you're halfway there. Just yeah. Buy, buy we just need to jobs. buy a lot of slacks and some scissors. And then we've created a whole line of very uncomfortable underpants. Yeah, but you know what they have that most underpants don't? Pockets. And a zipper fly. Yes. We're going to be so rich. <laughs> Good thing we both quit our jobs this year. Good thinking, us. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. <laughs>